0: So this morning we're going to do something a little bit different, clearly, because you're all sitting down and we're supposed to be doing the Gospel at this point. Uh, I thought I would start by just talking a bit about um, why, what informs me, what kind of, um, I have a mind when I'm preparing a, a sermon. And I guess there are a couple of things that shape what I do. The first is, a long time ago, back in the days when I had hair and was brown and I was a slightly different shape, I went to the inaugural conference of studies of youth ministry in Oxford, England. It was the first time that people who who were engaged in researching and teaching about youth ministry had got together from around the world, although mostly from Western countries. And there was a small contingent from Aotearoa New Zealand there, including myself. And uh, it was a great event. We, uh, we discovered that um, like we had a feeling like that we were in a bit of a backwater, that our thinking in youth ministry wasn't so good, we needed to go to these kind of events to kind of be brought up to speed, and we discovered actually that we, our thinking and our conversations about youth ministry was uh, right at the leading edge of what was happening around the world, and we were a small group but a vocal group, and we made our presence felt was a very affirming event for us in Aotearoa New Zealand. It helped us own our own thinking and to stop looking overseas for the latest cool thing. One of the papers, it was an academic thing, so it was just a series of papers you had to go and choose which papers you wanted to hear. One of the papers presented was by a guy called Bob Mayo, who had been a missionary in India and was currently working, we might say, as a missionary in the east end of London working with young people. Very rough communities who had no knowledge of what the gospel was about at all. And his basic line was tell the story and shut up. Tell the story and be quiet. Now he did kind of provide some primary pictures in there. By that he meant experiences that would help people, the young people he was working with, understand some of what uh, the biblical story was about. And so, for example, he would run community meals, and he would take young people to the shops uh, to buy the materials. And he would say to them, you don't have to shoplift. Uh, These were young people involved in all kinds of crime. And he would say to them, we don't need to shoplift today. If you want to get something, bring it here, and I will pay for it. No shoplifting. Which is stunning for them. I'd never been in that kind of situation before. And at the end of the meal, there would always be food left over and they would say to these young people, I want you to go and give this food to one of the families that wasn't here. They were blown away by this. But don't they have to pay? No, they don't have to pay. You don't have to steal it. It's just freely given. Freely given. So those were the kind of primary pictures experiences that he offered to help them understand what was going on. Now, I have to say that there are a number of people who were at a seminar, his paper, that said, oh, but how will they get the right meaning of those biblical passages? They might get it wrong. And he responded, well, they might, but the truth is most of the time we get it a little bit wrong and sometimes we get it a lot wrong in our interpretations. And all we're doing when we're telling people what it means is we're just passing on how we've got it wrong to them. So that we can be wrong the same together. Not that helpful. He said we have to trust people to work out what the biblical story means for themselves. It will mean different things for different people because we're in different situations. So tell the story and be quiet. He had some great stories. Great stories about young people. One, One young guy hearing the story of Mary getting pregnant to God as he understood it. And saying, if that had been my missus, I would have given that God bloke a good thumping. He was taking Joseph's side in that story. And you can understand where he was coming from. That was how he understood that story. Now I can hear a whole lot of you complaining at this point going, John, you talk for so long. Your sermons are so long. Surely it would be better if you just told the gospel story and were quiet. And I think that's that's a fair comment. I guess what I'm trying to do when I preach, and I might not always succeed, but what I'm trying to do is help you understand what that biblical story might have meant in its original context, so that you can do the work for yourself thinking about what does it mean for me in my context, and what does it mean for us in our context. So the biblical story isn't for individuals, it's not a little manual that will help us as individuals live our, live our lives. It is a book for a community, and it should shape our lives. And this takes me then to the second thing. A few years ago, I did a master's in ministry, and one I did it through Otago University. And one of the one of the lecturers was a guy called Joel Green. Every year, uh, Otago University would bring in an overseas lecturer to do one of the papers, and he would offer a block course, so just one big hit. And I tended to do that, partly because it was an overseas lecturer and it was a good chance to hear some of their thinking, but also the alternative to going to the block course, which required a bit of reading before you got there and weeks of solid work, was to have to do a whole lot of reading every fortnight or every month and then be prepared for an audio conference. And so being a basically lazy person, I went, I will just do the big hit one week wonder and then just have to worry about the assignments rather than have to do all the reading for the audio conferences and do the assignments on top of that that, that was a big ask when you were working as well so I tended to go to the block courses when they were on offer and so Joel Green was the lecturer for our New Testament theology paper and I'm not going to tell you all, everything he talked about but one of the things he talked about right at the beginning was uh, his experience of being a preacher for, a, for a, um, a church I think it was in England but I could be wrong there and he said his role as a preacher was to help the Gospel story, the Biblical story, shape the imaginations of those who were present. The Biblical story should shape our imaginations. Preaching isn't about helping you know more about the Bible, although that's kind of helpful. Preaching is about helping that story shape your imagination, shape how you see the world. So I'm going to let you judge whether I'm any good at either of those two things, but that's what motivates me, those two things. Tell the story, be quiet. The biblical story should shape our imagination. And that means that uh, on big days like Easter and Good Friday and Christmas Uh, and one or two other events, like today, Palm Sunday, I tend not to preach. I tend to just allow the story to be told and for you to work out what it means for yourselves. So I'm often intrigued by people, my colleagues, who put up on Facebook, written all my Christmas sermons. I don't write Christmas sermons. I find ways that help people engage with that story, so I use PowerPoints, poetry, uh, on Palm Sunday here at nine thirty. We've broken up into groups and um, reenacted the story. Uh, we've listened to the story and broken up into groups, and that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we've had conversations instead of sermons, so those are the kind of things that I do instead of preaching on occasions. Out of that double thing, tell the story. Be quiet. The biblical story should shape our imaginations. So today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to stand for the gospel. I'm going to invite you to stop and to to stay seated. Um, And we're kind of going to do a guided meditation with some questions at the end. So I'd like you to um, sit comfortably with your backs up straight, your feet flat on the floor. I'd like you to shut your eyes and just for a moment... Concentrate on your breathing and on the noises around you and just focus on those things. And as you breathe, I invite you to find yourself somewhere near Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. You might be with Jesus out in the Mount of Olives. You might be one of the crowd waving Branches and palms, and lay a cloak on the road down into the road. You might be one of the people in Jerusalem. Just find yourself somewhere in that vicinity. You might be one of the disciples. And as you breathe, I invite you to breathe in the smells of where you are on Palm Sunday and to be aware of the aromas. as you hear the sounds here, I want you to become aware of the sounds around you on that Palm Sunday. The sounds of people, the sounds of animals. And as you feel the pew or the seat against you, as you sit here, I want you to become aware of the, of the place where you stand or sit, what your hands are against, what you're holding, the touch of the sun or the cold back then. And as you listen to the story, I want you to be aware of the feelings within you as you engage with this story, the story of the first Palm Sunday. So find yourself somewhere near Jerusalem. When they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethphage on Mount Olives, Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you. You will find a donkey tethered there, her colt with her. Untie her and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, say, The Master needs them. He will send them with you. This is the full story of what was sketched earlier by the prophet To tell Zion's daughter, look, your king's on his way, poised and ready, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, foal of a pack animal. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They returned, leading the donkey and colt out, laid some of their clothes on them. And Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed all of them calling out hosanna to david's son blessed is he who comes in the name of the in god's name hosanna in highest heaven As he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. Unnerved, people were asking, What's going on here? Who is this? The parade crowd answered, This is the prophet Jesus, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered Jerusalem. And went straight to the temple. You stay in that story? Who were you and where were you? What did you experience with your senses, your sight and hearing, to your touch? How did you feel as you participated in this story? Did you interact with Christ at all? And if so, what did you experience? Lastly, how does this story affect you, influence you, challenge you, change you? invite you to return to this place, to this Palm Sunday, and to find someone you'd like to talk to, to discuss your experience, where you were, any interactions you had with Christ, and how the story might affect you, influence you, challenge you, or change you. The questions are up on the screen with one last question. To think of a time of a public parade or a demonstration that you know of or have been part of, that you are reminded of, that reminds you of this Palm Sunday. And how was it like this parade? How was it like Palm Sunday and how was it different? So take a moment and then find someone and have a conversation.